Oh, here we go. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. I, I know I say I'm always excited. And people that are around me know that I'm always excited, so that's a good thing. But I'm really excited about our guest today because it appears that this week I am walking along my whole life. Earlier this week, I was doing some Ho'oponopono meditations with uh, Joe Vitale, and with that, you deal with your inner child. And the guest today, she's an author, she's a communication studies professor, and she's written this interesting book about joys of raising boys, the good, the bad, and the hilarious. So all the mothers out there will definitely focus on the latter part of the hilariousness (laughs) of raising children, (laughs) Mm -hmm. as I was the only boy uh, out of uh, four. And so love to hear her story. Uh, David was, uh, uh, well, I'll let him tell his story uh, later on in the podcast. But without further ado, I would love to welcome from sunny California, even though it's not sunny today, we mm-hmm. have Diane Auten to the podcast. Welcome, Diane. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank sure. you. Sure. I think this is an interesting, uh, interesting subject because – they always say men are from Mars and women are from Venus, but mm-hmm. if we can have better communication and understand the joys of raising boys, maybe there wouldn't be such a quagmire that we have as adults. Yes. Well, and my book is really focusing on the younger years of raising okay. boys, but the, the college courses I teach tap into that a little bit, but uh, you know, the classes I teach really revolve around how can we improve our communication as adults, so in our intimate relationships and in our friendships, family, uh, yeah, and so men and women—not all men and women—but when we talk about uh, male and female communication, there's that bell curve of research, right? And we're looking at what the majority of men tend to do when they communicate, or what the majority of women tend to do. But all these men and women start off as little kids, so we definitely have the ability to mold them from the time they're small and help them grow up to be better communicators. One thing that I found in my life, I, my traditional training uh, was a master's in early childhood. So I taught second mm-hmm. grade. And so that was fun. It was a lot of fun. I, sometimes I say that's my favorite job, depending on the day of the week. And, <laughs> but I'm also in sales. And so in sales, I would use some tactics that I did as a second grader because you're an excellent salesperson if you can get second graders to do anything in a group. Mm-hmm. And so you, I was kind of just using some of those frameworks to uh, set up sales or to to motivate other people in a management capacity and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. I think on some level we're always talking to checking in with our inner children. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I I often see, well, and my husband's in his 50s, you know, and I'm around adult men all the time, but I see a lot of, and I often say, um, you know, big boys are just little boys in big bodies. You know, you see these little hints of of the kid in them still, which I actually really love. With that being said, uh, one thing that I learned in the dating world is that you don't really know a person until you spend the holidays with them. And so... I want to get your take on that because when when you're with them during the holidays, they're around their family, so sometimes they revert back to that maybe little boy, little girl uh, dynamic. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I can say, you know, my boys right now are 13 and 15, and so especially my 15-year-old, he's old enough to take care of himself and make his own meals and do all those kinds of things. But, you know, I think once a mama, always a mama, and you're going to kind of pamper those boys and, and girls too, you know, your children, and take care of them. And so I could definitely see spending holidays with a significant other and going back and, and watching them revert back to that role, definitely. <laughs> How did you come up with the title of the book and also on the cover, those are your two boys? Those are my two boys on the cover of the book, yes. So there's a picture of them when they're about three and five years old, and my five-year-old is squirting, uh, it's not a power hose, but it's a hose with one of those real good nozzles on it down the mm-hmm. underwear of my three-year-old. And they were actually in that in that picture, they were playing their favorite game, which to this date is their favorite game called Take the Pain. So this is a very boy thing to do where yeah. you, you're going to do something to see who can take the pain the longest without crying. That was the contest they had going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's boys. Yeah. Yes. So that, to me, when I was thinking of the cover, um, that just screamed to me, boy. I mean, that's really the book is, it's a funny book. It's filled with just funny stories about raising boys. And also it has a thread of communication in there, too, and how to communicate better. I've been teaching uh, full-time at the college level for, it'll be 20 years this year, uh, teaching communication studies courses. So there's a little bit of that in there on how to help these boys grow up to be better communicators. But the crux of the book is just really these funny stories. And back to your question, that's kind of where that title came from, too, the good, the bad, and the hilarious. Because when you raise boys, I often say you have to laugh or you're going to cry. Because they do (laughs) stuff sometimes where you're just like, take the pain thing. It's like, why are you doing that? You know? And if you don't laugh, you're just going to cry. Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) <laughs> so how long how long were you crying before you realized that the crying wasn't working so you had to finally yeah. start laughing? Well, you know, I grew up in a house of all girls, so I had no idea what I was getting into with these boys. And, you know, on my mom's side of the family, it's all girls too. So we're, we just don't have any boys in our family. So at first I was, when, even when I found out I was pregnant with boys, was like, what am I going to do with these boys? But, you know, I really realized I am a boy mom through and through. Um, I love to get in there and get dirty with them and, you know, play in the dirt. And uh, I pick up sticks when I'm on a walk with my dog that I remember when the boys were small that looked like something they could use in a battle, you know, like it, I just am always thinking of those boy things. So I love being a boy mom. It didn't take me long to realize that even though some of that stuff um, was stressful, being a boy mom can be stressful too because they are very uh, much a ri- they're risk takers, you know, in different ways than girls are. So that's a little stressful, but there's a lot of fun involved too. Now, what do you mean by stressful? Because when I look at Leave It the Beaver, June Cleaver never breaks a sweat. Oh, <laughs> isn't she amazing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's not me for sure. Um, you know, the stress I think with boys is they're constantly, I mean, we went to the emergency room so many times when my kids were young, just jumping off things, um, battling and getting hit. One of my youngest got hit in the head with, it was a plastic, like a lightsaber, but it hit him just right and split his head open, like the edge of it hit his head. Stuff like that, you know, it's, that just wouldn't happen, I don't think, so much with girls. I guess it could, but man, we were just constantly going to the hospital <laughs> with these boys. 
and they don't even care. You know, they, they have all this blood. They cry a little bit, but my son would say, to this day, he says, cool, look at my scar. You know, he's got a scar down the front of his face, a scar on the top of his head. They just are rough and tumble crazy boys. Mm. What are, what are, uh, Diane, what are some of the differences between how boys at young ages relate to one another as opposed to girls? Oh, great. I love that question. So, and this can also relate to adults, too. So it, it transfers into our adulthood, too. But one of the ways um, that I think is different is if you look at the little games that, or the games, excuse me, that little boys play and the games that little girls play. So most of the boy games, like when I was just talking about my kids getting their heads split open, um, are around competition, very physical, very competitive, uh, lots of arguing. But most of those games, even stuff that's more where they're getting along, like Legos and things like that, they play those games side by side. And when you look at little girls and the games that they play, uh, most of their games are face-to-face. So they're playing mommy-baby, they're playing nurse, they're playing school. And girls are socialized to play by ha- and having direct eye contact. So when you watch little girls play or even talk to each other, they're looking at each other very intensely. Little boys are not conditioned to do that. And so these little boys and little girls, they grow up and they're practicing these skills all along and then they get into adulthood. And one of the things I talk about with a misconception that women often have of men, now we're talking about Mm -hmm. adults, Mm -hmm. is that because a man is not looking at you, he's not listening to you. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of women perceive, because they've been doing this their whole life with their girlfriends, that when you listen, you look. And that's not necessarily true in the male culture. You were talking about culture earlier. It is almost like women have their own culture and way of doing things, and men kind of have their own culture and way of doing things. Um, men function perfectly fine with other men hanging out. Women function perfectly fine with other women hanging out. It's when you mix them all together that sometimes we have these challenges. So one of the things I talk a lot with, um, especially with women, is that just because a man is not looking at you does not mean that he's not listening to you. Um, It doesn't necessarily equate all the time, but for the most part, men are much more comfortable side by side. So a piece of advice I give, whether it's with your child, I do this with my boys, and I've always done it with them when they were young, up to adult men, if you want to connect with a man, a great way to do that is to get him in an environment where he doesn't have to have that direct eye contact with you. And a perfect example of that is the car. So if you can get a man in the car, you can get a, or if you can get your teenage son in the car, or if you can get your 10-year-old son in the car, and go on a car ride, and you're facing forward, and nobody has to look at each other, um, that's where those magical conversations happen. And a bonus, if you can get them in the car in the dark, where they really don't have to look at you, right, and it's dark, that's where we have, in my family, the best conversations. Um, So I think little boys and little girls are socialized very differently. Um, They play very differently. It's when we look at communication, it's this mix of, of our genetics, but definitely um, surroundings as well, nature versus nurture. But get those men and boys in the car and floodgates will open. Wow. That completely makes sense because as you were, you were talking about that, it made me think about a time in the past, a relationship that I was in. And, me and I mean, my girlfriend, we were talking or she was talking. Mm-hmm. I 
else, and I was doing something, but I was listening to her, and at one point she said, you know what, she was looking at me when I'm talking to you, and I remember my response was, I'm listening, don't worry, yeah. I'm listening, and even, yeah, so that, that, yeah. that makes yeah. And think of all the conflict that as adults we get into with our partners, um, especially women, we get really upset about that when, when we're talking to our significant other and they're not looking at us. I mean, don't get me wrong. My husband can definitely sit and zone out and be looking at his phone or looking at TV or whatever and not be listening. But we can't make that correlation between if they're not looking, they're not listening. That's just not fair because most men are going to actually listen a lot better if they're not looking at you. Yeah. Yeah, and just kind of <laughs> when you talked about like you know your kids and their planes, their saber, and just getting hurt and this and that, uh-huh. and a lot more physical. I can remember, you know, as a child loving like the Three Stooges. You know, there was so uh-huh. almost every girl <laughs> that I've known, especially like my mom, for example. She's like, I don't get it. I don't get what's so funny about this. Like guys completely get it, but I, I think women they don't get the that kind of humor. No. I guess. Yeah, our sense of humors are just different. But it's funny if you think about it, we all like to laugh, right? We all enjoy laughter. We all enjoy joy. But we just view it kind of differently. And with humor, too, if we look at young boys and young girls and even adult boys and adult women, um, we look at humor differently. Like young boys and adult men kind of tease each other a lot, right? There's a lot of teasing in the male culture. And teasing is definitely part of um, camaraderie in the male culture, making yeah. fun of each other, calling each other names, um, yeah. putting each other down, but in a loving sort of funny way. You yeah. would never see a woman, like my husband's a, a really big guy, um, and his, all of his friends call him skinny, and he's like a 300-pound man, you know, and they call him skinny as his nickname. If I weighed 300 pounds, my friends would never call me skinny as a nickname. Women just would never, ever do that, you know. So we relate to each other so differently, and sometimes, you know, men will try to create that camaraderie with a woman and tease her and stuff too, um, and and innocently teasing her, you know, but she doesn't like it. Women only like it to a certain point, and then we get really, we don't like it at all. Yeah, that's so <laughs> Yeah. I love it. And, and it makes me think of, I'm, I'm sure it's any city USA. So in Atlanta, there's this uh, conversation that women can't find a guy. And okay. you were talking about socialization, about getting the guy in the car. And mm-hmm. in the dating world, the girl or the perception is if the guy's not looking at her, that he may be beta. He's not alpha or strong enough. So she kind of right. writes him off as well. So he's uh-huh. not even, he lost before he could even get in the car and show his strength apparently. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of perception around even just a simple thing like eye contact. We make so many perceptions based on someone and how the kind of eye contact they have. Hmm. Yeah, I noticed that if a girl, like, that, that's another thing that you really notice if a girl likes you, she will get in your space, meaning she'll be right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. she's trying to connect, right? She's, she's exactly. coming, squaring off with you, sitting right across from you. Um, you know, I took my son to dinner the other night, and we were under the fluorescent lights at, like, a Chili's, you know, and uh, I was trying to have this really just – not intense, but a, a real true good conversation with him about some of his struggles. You know, he's 13. He's going through some stuff. 
And uh, he was just having no part of that, you know, and that was my fault because I was choosing the absolute wrong time and place. So time and place is another thing we could talk about. But we were under these bright lights. He's sitting right across from me in a confined space. Like, that was just horrible. That was a, a bad choice on my part. Um, but as soon as we got in the car to go home later when the movie was over and it was dark, you know, it was like everything, it was so much easier to talk about it. Wait, wait, hold on a second. I just caught on to this. Diane, are you saying that guys are vampires? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Women, they are their best in the dark. Do not say them before the sun sets. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like to talk about uh, scenery, like you were saying. You're saying that there are strong suits that uh, you may be aware of actually getting your point across, and there's others where you might as well throw in the towel. I'd like for you to explore some of that. Do you mean like when you're discussing a subject that you have opinions about? or Absolutely. So, so maybe ask your question again. I'm not sure I understand it. Sure. Let's, so let's just, let's just use your son's example. Like, uh-huh. How did you determine at one point oh, it's so bright and he's so, you know, he, he's overstimulated with all of these right. lights and games going on. It's better to talk, wait until we get into the car. Yeah, and, you know, in my communication studies courses, I talk a lot about one of the best things we can learn to do, whether it's with our kids, with our significant others, is to wait if we need to wait to have a conversation. I know sometimes that, like, if something's going on or my husband's bothered me or I'm upset, like, I want to talk about it right now. And I think women, we're kind of conditioned to talk. Our culture as women, um, you know, revolves around talking. And so we just want to get it out. And sometimes we're not picking the right time and place like I did with my son. Um, So it's about being smart enough to take a step back and say, okay, is this the right time for us to be talking about this? Is this going to yield the best result? You know, my kids, again, are 13 and 15. To use kids as an example, they're teenagers. It's like they do things that we need to talk about sometimes. But I really have to be careful about when we talk about it because if I choose the wrong time, I'm going to get shut down like nobody's business, and that conversation will never really evolve. But if I wait until the timing's right, and that's even just assessing their mood, right? If your significant other walks through the door and they've had a rough day, you don't want to hit them with something big that you want to talk about. They need time to decompress a little bit before you have that conversation. Um, I talk a lot to my boys about, we don't want to have this conversation. My boys are fighting kind of a lot lately, which is normal for, you know, kids, siblings. And we need to have like a family meeting. But I don't want to have the family meeting and talk to everybody when somebody's in a bad mood. Do you see how that's going to throw the whole thing off? Yeah. I need, I need everyone to be happy. We don't want to have a con, an important conversation, and this also is in our intimate relationships. We don't want to have an important conversation when someone is angry. That's the worst time to have an important conversation, but it's the time most of us choose because we're in the heat of the moment and we're angry. But if we can walk away and let that kind of simmer down a little bit, come back when everybody is level, that conversation is just going to be so much better. It just makes me think of sometimes at the air. In Atlanta, Atlanta is not pedestrian friendly at all. So there's not mm-hmm. a lot of walking around. You can't people watch. So the places that you can kind of steal a glance are like the airport, things like that. And so there's instances where people are 
very combative in public. And you would think, hey, isn't there a better scenario? Could you wait until mm-hmm. you were not in the public? But as you were saying, one person really wants to get their point across at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's a, what's a, are there any clues or tips to tricks to kind of diffuse that situation? Uh, you know, I, I know when I feel that way and I'm with my husband, I'll just say, like, I think we can agree we have something we need to talk about, but let's wait until we get home or let's wait until tomorrow. Um, you know, to be able to walk away. So sometimes, like, if I get real heated, I know I just need to, I mean, we've all heard this before, but I just need to walk away, take a little lap around the block or something, and then come back. Sometimes we do need to have the conversation right then. But, I mean, think of all those, and I'm sure your listeners can attest to arguments they've seen in public with couples or whatever. You know, it's, it, it's not going to yield the result that they want. So to be able to, and you both have to be on the same page, to be like, we know we need to talk about this. Let's wait until we get home. Let's wait until we've calmed down. But you can't have one person wanting to wait and the other one like, no, we're going to talk about it right now, which is normally what happens. Right? You have to be on the same page. So my husband and I, I don't, for lack of a better word, I have him trained with some of this communication stuff. So when we get in those things, I'm like, okay, so clearly we're both upset. We both have things we want to say. I don't want to say something I'm going to regret. And I know you don't want to say something you're going to regret. So why don't we um, take a little break here? I'm going to go do whatever, and we can talk about it in a bit. And that works. Because another thing we tend to do is we say stuff when we're angry that we regret. We've all done that before, right? Yeah. So when, when we're angry with someone, we just want to get, we want to get them. You know, we want to get, get back at them and make them feel bad. And so we say stuff, and one of the principles of communication is you can never take something back. So I can, I can say I'm sorry, but I can never take something back. I always use the example, and mind you, I teach college students. But what if I got mad at my husband one time and in the heat of an argument, I yelled at him, you're the worst sex I've ever had in my life, (laughs) right? (laughs) And later I say, you know, I didn't mean that, right? I was just mad. And that's why I said it. Is he ever going to forget that I said that? No, he won't. (laughs) Never. That will haunt our relationship for the rest of our life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. (laughs) So we do stuff like that. We say things that we just want to get the other person, but then we can't take it back. Well, maybe you can clarify something for me. So uh, as a little boy, I learned, you know, there were some bad words that we weren't allowed to say. Those were adult words. But Uh as an adult, one bad word that I learned not to say is calm down, especially to the opposite Uh side. Yes. Yes. Girls and women don't like that. <laughs> they don't like that at all. Calm down. <laughs> I am calm. <laughs> yeah. No. And you know those kinds of words are are definite trigger words for sure. Absolutely. Um, I do want to go back for a second because I, I want to cover some of your book with being hilarious, and so we can do tit for tat if you want, and then I'll let you go. But um. I do want to share one that I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, uh-huh. I had to take some clients out of town, and we it wasn't dinner time, so we stopped for a late lunch, and it was at a restaurant or something. And this mother was sitting there with her son, and you know we're on the other side in suits, you know, talking about this business meeting we're about to have. 
And she was, and the mom was assessing it with her son. She was just like, what is that smell? Did you, he was around like three or four. So what is that yeah. smell? Did you go potty? Did you go potty? What is that smell? And she wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and we were just like, she won't let it go, right? And so the son, apparently, she had re- he had reached his tolerance level too. And he got up on the table and pulled his pants down and said, these are just farts, Mom. <laughs> these are just farts. <laughs> I will never forget that day where little boys just say what's on their mind. Yes, there's no filter. That's, I mean, that's honestly where how my book came to fruition because these boys are just so funny and they – they say the funniest things, and the questions that they ask are hysterical. They're just funny. Yeah. Well, I'll share a quick story. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember this, but my mother told me, I think I was about three, three and a half, when we were traveling to the Washington State to visit some relatives. So we're on the plane, and I guess my, my father had got up to go use the restroom, and then my mother asked me if I had to, to use the restroom. I was like, yeah, you know, I have to use it. And then she said that I stood up on the seat and just screamed out on the plane, does anyone else have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's no shame. <laughs> yeah, and she told me that story, so I always thought that was funny. Yes, that is fun. I love it. See, and the funny thing about writing this book is everybody else gets to sh- – like whenever I talk about this book in public, everyone has stories. You know, yeah. we all have funny stories. I just happen to write them down, you know. But ra- being a kid and raising kids, it, you just everybody has a plethora of stories. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're ready to hear yours, Diane. Oh, you want to hear some? Okay. So um, my book, just to warn your listeners, is um, a collection of just lots of funny little anecdotes. Some of them are just short little questions or quotes, and then there are kind of longer, um, longer stories as well. So the book is broken up into chapters, and the two biggest chapters, which probably won't surprise you with boys, is the first one is about exploring their body and all the questions they had about their own parts, and then the second biggest chapter is about girls' bodies, and my body usually in particular, you know, so everything from pregnancy to childbirth and all that kind of stuff and boobs and everything else. So I was, um, so when people ask me why I put all this into a book, I usually share the example of, you know, I had been sharing all these funny stories on all my social media outlets for years and people were just chiming in like, oh my gosh, you have to write a book, you have to write a book. These are so funny, you know. And then one day my four-year-old son at the time, Nate, came to me and said, um, Mom, Sadie is licking her vagina. And I said, okay, leave her alone. She's a dog. She's just cleaning herself. It's okay. And he got so confused, and he said, do all women do that? (laughs) (laughs) So when I shared that one on social media, that one went viral, and everybody was sharing it, and it was really funny. And then I thought, well... Maybe I do actually have a book in me. So now I've got, I think it's 270 pages of all these funny stories. So um, one of the, it's not a longer story, but it's more of a, a real story, is I have an appendix at the end of the teen years because my boys were just de- starting, they were like 12 when I published the book. And so one of the, um, the stories in the teen years is, titled, When Mom Leaves Out a Key Detail About Sex Education. Are you ready? Okay. 
<laughs> so I was at home grading papers on my computer, and I decided to take a break and check my social media. While I was scrolling, a post from a parent group at Bradley School popped up, and I saw that many parents were losing their minds over the upcoming 7th grade sex education curriculum due to start the next day. Nobody was specific about what they were upset about, but man, were they on fire. I decided to investigate further and sent a private message to one of my friends who was in the discussion to see what she knew. She said, you might want to check the curriculum. It's pretty major. I said, what's the big deal? I asked, it can't be that bad. Her response, they'll be learning how to put condoms on a wooden model of a penis. Uh, okay, that does seem like it might be a big deal. I remember learning how to put condoms on a banana in sex ed, so I get that people might be uncomfortable with that. That's not even the worst part about it, she said. It's co-ed. <laughs> okay, so now I understood. I thought, I thought about this a little bit and decided to give Bradley a heads up so he wouldn't be surprised and let him decide if he wanted to attend. When the permission slips about the week-long sex ed program had come home the week before, there was an opt-out choice. I told Brad if he, that I would be shocked if they talked about anything he didn't already know, but if for any reason he felt uncomfortable, we could opt him out. So Bradley came home from school a few hours later, and I called him into the kitchen for a talk. You know your sex ed curriculum starts tomorrow. Yes. Well, there's a bunch of parents who are upset about the lessons, and they're not allowing their kids to attend. Really? What's the big deal? Well, you're going to be learning how to put condoms on. Okay, that's weird. I know, I said. But the part that parents are the most upset about is that it's co-ed. So the girls are going to be there too, too, learning how to put condoms on as well. So it might be kind of awkward. Why in the world would girls need to learn how to put condoms on? They don't even have a penis. <laughs> I know, I know. Think about it, Brad. These girls may grow up and want to be intimate with a man, and maybe the man won't know how to put a condom on. So they need to learn how to put the condoms on too so they can protect themselves if necessary. That is totally creepy and gross, he said. I understand that it is what it is. The girls need to practice putting condoms on too so you'll all be doing it together. Just try to get over the weirdness if you can. Bradley crinkled up his nose and with a worried look on his face, left to go to work on his homework. Over the next hour, I noticed that Brad was walking around acting weird, wringing his hands and looking at the floor. Later, while I was in the bathroom washing my face, he came in saying that he needed to talk to me. Mom, I think I need to opt out of sex ed. Really? Okay, that's fine, but why? After taking a deep breath, Mom, I cannot have the girls practicing putting condoms on me in front of everybody in the classroom. <laughs> that was the detail I left out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So, um, pardon me? Once you explain to them, actually, they weren't going to be putting it on him. Where, did he decide to do the class or no? Um, he did. No, I told him it was, I felt horrible because it had been a couple of hours and he was so stressed out. But once he found out what was going on, um, okay. he was fine with that. But, of course, the next day when he went to school, um, they had canceled it because so many parents were so upset about it. So we went through all that for nothing. Nothing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. There's a funny Stop little... That. Do you shop at, um, do you have Sam's where you live? We have Vaughn's, which is, I think, is that Ralph's? Yeah, as far same. as like buying in bulk and such. Oh, we have like a Costco and. Um, oh, perfect. Let's see. Yeah. 
Okay, perfect. The reason why I was asking, I am a big fan of comedy, stand-up comedy. And uh-huh. so Joe Coy, uh, I don't know if you know him. He was part of the, the Chelsea Handler show back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like and that show. His kid is around your boy's age, and he was saying that he's glad he has Costco because they keep running out of, of shampoo, of, um, of hair conditioner. Uh-huh. And he's like, <laughs> the hair conditioner goes missing for a couple of days, and he's like, why are we yeah. running out of hair conditioner? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, See, and a boy mom, you don't even have to explain. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you Lucky. dealing with two adolescents at the same time? Oh, you know what's funny is um, mine are just budding on puberty. Like, we haven't hit that stuff yet, but... Um, I know it's coming, and mine are kind of late bloomers, obviously. So we're getting more like the moodiness and the emotional changes that have started happening first. We're, we haven't mm-hmm. gotten to that yet, but good Lord, I hear all the stories from my friends <laughs> who have kids this age, and it's, I know it's ha- going to happen. But, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm super open with my boys. Like that's part of what this book is about too is like when you're open with your kids when they're young, they grow up to be open, communicative adults. And so they ask me questions. I mean, my 15-year-old son is still going through sex education. I don't know how it is in Atlanta, but, I mean, it goes on forever here. And he wow. was having a heart attack because in, he's a freshman. They were talking about um, wet dreams in sex ed. And he came home, and he has like a loft bed. So he's got his bed on top and then all of his gaming junk underneath. And he was so stressed out that he was going to have a wet dream and ruin all of his computers and all of his stuff underneath. <laughs> and he's a 15-year-old boy that's coming to me and asking me questions about that, you know. But if you take a step back, that's like a beautiful thing. He's, he, what 15-year-old boy asks his mom those questions, you know? Right. Um, and a lot of it is because we've always talked like that. And in the book, I talk about this too, like if you make communication the norm when they're small, they're, mm-hmm. they always are going to communicate with you because that's what you do, exactly. right? It's, imagine if we never communicated and then all of a sudden my kid's 15, he's not going to come talk to me out of the blue when we haven't been communicating all along. So, I mean, they definitely, um, I haven't experienced all that stuff yet, but they have questions about it. We talk about it. Uh, you know, I'm just like, just clean up after yourself, man. That's all I care about. Like, do what you're going to do. Just take care of business, you know? <laughs> God bless Costco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you, uh, because we're, I think we're kind of laughing in that, and that it just hit me that, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I would have never asked this question. But with the socialization and the com- ongoing communication that you have with your children, especially mm-hmm. with sex ed, um, if you go on Facebook now, they they list like nine different genders. So mm-hmm. how are they? How are you? Or how are they approaching sex with you know things we didn't have to deal with a generation ago? Yeah, and you know they talk about those things very openly in school now. And um, you know I think back when I was in school. So I'm 47 years old, and when I was in high school and junior high, like if we had someone, for example, that was homosexual like we definitely had people who were homosexual at my school but it was it wasn't open and people didn't talk about it now it's um they have clubs on campus like there's people walk around very openly expressing their feelings holding hands like 
um, it's just a whole different world. And, you know, I, I land in the realm of that being okay. You know, I'm glad that those, that we're able to express ourselves that way. Um, I think the kids do get a little confused sometimes with all the, and I get confused if I'm being honest, sometimes with the different, um, you know, gender labels that we have. And uh, sometimes I have to do a little research to find out, you know, what is, what does it mean to be binary and that kind of thing? You know, I think there's a lot of terminology that's coming into our world that we've never had before. Right. On that other side of the token, you know, there is some pushback I hear from parents about television and, Mm -hmm. you know, not the nightly shows we watch, but the, the cartoon channel where the kids are watching during the day that they're exploring these, that maybe the parents haven't had that conversation with them yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I mean, those, those characters pop up in some of the books they read, even in children's stories, you know, and um, as characters on shows that they're watching, my boys aren't watching so much like the Nickelodeon stuff anymore. They're, they're older. So they're watching um, kind of more the stuff that I watch. They're not watching rated R things necessarily, but um, they have questions, you know, they come to me and ask questions too. And I, I feel like as long as we are, painting people in a positive light. It's when we start kind of bashing people on shows and things like that, that I think it sets it up to be a little bit more negative. So for me, um, I want my kids to be open-minded and explore, not, not necessarily their own sexuality, which I do anyway, but want them to, ex- to know about themselves, but to be open to other people and um, open to having friends who are maybe you know, identify differently than they do and not to be rigid. You know, I want them to be open people. From an intrinsic motivation standpoint, I applaud it. And uh, it was really important to what you said as far as having that communication when they're young because Mm -hmm. you do have uh, maybe our generation where the family is, you know, no longer because maybe the guy or the woman has has these feelings that they probably had their whole lives, right? But they were they were taught to have that nuclear family, and they were never happy. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think this up and coming generation is going to have a lot more freedom to be who they be, be their true selves, and not have to conform as much as I know. In my generation, there was a lot of conformity. Mm. So, Diane, let me ask you. You talk a lot about how how you communicate with your boys and how that's been, you know, them growing up. What, what's the communication space like with, with their father? What's different about Which, it? Uh-huh. With me and their father or with them and their father? Them and their father. With them and their father. Um, you know, men in general and boys, too, tend to be a little bit more direct. So one of the things I teach in my classes is that men are more linear. So, like, my husband, when he talks to the boys, he's very direct. You know, when the boys are doing when they're fighting, for example, my husband will come in and say, knock it off, right? Where I come in and and I'll say like, I'm more circular. Women have all these extraneous words and language and I'll come in and say, don't be mean to him. He's your brother. And when you hit him, it hurts him. And then it breaks his heart. And, you know, I'm going on and on and on with all this stuff. So when my husband communicates with them, they're kind of all in this little symbiosis because they, they all are pretty linear. So he just gives them a directive, you know. But luckily my husband is also... Um, pretty emotional. And so he's very connected to them. They have great talks. They, they love the outdoors. So they spend time in the outdoors together. And there's a lot of communicating that happens there. Um, my kind of communication with them is a lot more like let's sit and, and 
sit on the couch together and side by side usually and have a conversation um, where his is more like men and boys tend to relate more through like shared activities. So I would maybe even ask both of you gentlemen, like when you're with your friends or whatever, usually a lot of men's activity or men communicating with each other revolves around a shared activity, whether that's um, playing basketball together, going golfing, playing video games, building something, right? Whatever it is. Would you say that's true for you guys? Yeah, in my lifetime, yeah, I would say that would be true. Yeah. Oh no. Where women well, often will situation, just my situation, we always just braided each other's hair. That's how we kind of <laughs> communicate. Okay. <laughs> just oh, I shouldn't have said that because we're in Atlanta hey. now. The stereotyping. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Unwanted attention now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's, and, you know, a lot of girls and women um, just hang out to hang out and just talk. Like, I often will say, like, I might pick up my phone to call a friend and talk to her because I miss her. Um, And there's no reason for my call. I'm just calling because I want to talk. But most men, when they call each other, it's not just, I want to talk to you. There needs to be a purpose for the call. So maybe they call and say, hey, what time do you want to meet tomorrow to do X, Y, and Z? And then they might have this great conversation. But it, most men react in an odd way when they're like, well, why would you call? I just want to talk to you. Yeah. You know, to most men that's strange because men don't relate to each other like that. And so my husband and boys kind of don't relate that way either. But if you give them a purpose or an activity or a goal, then that communication comes secondary, which is amazing. Exactly. The only, only exception I would probably say it's if, like, if it's a friend, you know, and you're, you know, in daily communication yeah. or you frequently. But if it's like a, a male yeah. friend that I talked to in a long time, then I I might call to hey, just call to see what's up, what's going on with you type thing. That might not totally. necessarily be an activity associated with it, but that's usually if you haven't talked to someone in a long time. Yeah, and you know, my husband has I think two friends that he would call to just talk to that he um, is very connected to. They're like close. They, they know his areas of vulnerability, which for men, men don't splash their vulnerabilities all over the place generally with each other, unless that you're a really good friend, you know? Um, So it's those friends that he'll do that with. But I mean, women will talk to anybody. We tell strangers our problems, you know, women are very open. I agree. You could you could say that uh, from the socialization again. It's for when when I was living with my girlfriend, she can tell who I was talking to on the phone if it was a female mm-hmm. or a guy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she yeah. could just tell. Like a guy was like three seconds, and she's like, "Oh, yeah. okay, that's probably one of his buddies." <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you talking to this girl so long? <laughs> yeah. So. No, totally. Those conversations, not always, but a lot of times they don't last long, and they're pretty pretty direct, you know, but girls and women will talk just for the sake of talking. We don't even care what we're talking about. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So, I mean, you said you grew up, it was all girls, but now you have two boys and children, whether it's boys or girls, they can ask funny questions at young ages. Is Mm -hmm. there a tendency to maybe like boys will ask certain kind of questions as a, as opposed to little girls or, or maybe more boys more in general ask these funny questions more than girls or is it kind of you think uh, even? Yeah, you know, I don't have girls, so I'm not sure how girls, um, 
what kinds of questions they would necessarily ask. But I think more instead of whether they're boys and girls, I think it is more based on whether asking questions in general is acceptable in their home. So yeah. do, you live in a, do they live in a home where it's encouraged and supported for them to ask sometimes embarrassing questions or, um, you know, questions about their body or my body or whatever. So I kind of feel like it's more um, how open the house and the family is to having mm. conversations like that. Because there are lots of families where there's, there are taboo topics. You're not allowed to ask questions about sex. You're not allowed to ask questions about pregnancy or whatever, you know, my body, your body. So to me, it kind of is more about what is the environment that you create in your house that teaches them that it's okay to ask questions or not. Mm, okay. And so you said you had, what, three sisters? Two sisters, yeah. Three, including so, me. Okay. So there's, I'm just wondering what the what the bathroom situation was like growing up. <laughs> oh, Lord. No, we were getting, we were a mess. There was, because <laughs> there were three of us, my mom and dad, and um, two bathrooms. So, and I grew up in the 80s, mind you. So that is um, very hair intensive, you know, bathroom time intensive. A lot of arguing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to, this was early 80s, I had a, a co-worker, um, and her father always, you know, father wanted the boy, and he kept trying, and when it was all said and done, he had 11 girls. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, never had any boys. Wow. Yeah. That's it. I'm done. Yeah, and I used to always tease her. I'm like, man, I can't imagine what that Matthews did. And she was like, yeah, you don't even want to know. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. You'd have yeah. to have a big house for all those girls or, or have some kind of schedule. <laughs> yeah, or add a bathroom or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if it were the 80s, you make me think they, they were the reason why we have global warming with all that hairspray they were using back then. I know, all the Aquanet. <laughs> we were so bad, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you, Diane, as far as, um, you know, we're talking about, okay, like the 80s, and that maybe that was a different time. And now, you know, Facebook has nine genders, and you uh-huh. have open communication in your family, and you were talking about the way the father communicates versus you. Have mm-hmm. have any of the messages ever been uh, misconstrued? Like they were in a fight at school, and they were like, don't punch me because then it will hurt me, and I won't like it, versus <laughs> just having the fight. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm lucky to say my kids have not gotten into any fist fights at school, thank goodness. But um, my kids are talkers. So, you know, they've grown up with me and they've grown up with my husband, who's really funny, and he's a talker too. And so, um, you know, the funny thing is, is more so they've learned to talk themselves out of those situations. My husband was notorious for that when he was in high school. Um, people would, because he was a big guy and people would come after him, you know, and kind of push him around a little bit and he would just be able to laugh and joke his way out of it. So I think the skill there is actually being able to take a situation that could become more volatile and being able to talk your way out of it. That's a good point. Is your husband a comedian or an attorney? Um, he's a caterer, but he's just really funny. <laughs> he likes food. <laughs> oh. 
that's you know when you're talking about this open communication, I think I just want to keep honing on that because it made me think of of college actually and mm-hmm. all the wolves that exist in college. So you know you know once upon a time I may have been a wolf, but you know the juniors and seniors will wait for the freshman girls to come along, and the girls that had greater communication or at least you know some level of knowing what's going on. Uh-huh. They didn't go home. They graduated versus the ones that were in a, at home where they weren't allowed to talk about a lot of things. They went home yeah. from school early. You know, they got pregnant, and they didn't finish when mm-hmm. everyone else did. So yeah. I think the, the takeaway is communication is key. Yeah, and being – I mean, I've definitely had some awkward conversations with the boys when they're asking me stuff, but we always had a rule, and we still do, that if they have questions about anything, they can ask me, and I'll answer. Um, and some of the questions they have, you know – are like, can you get pregnant from kissing? And this is where those things still get perpetuated and people don't realize they can get pregnant without having like real full sex, you know, like you can get pregnant by having a little bit of sex, you know, they don't realize that. And so um, I think the more you can just have that home again with that open environment where kids feel comfortable coming to ask you stuff, like my kids' friends would send my boys to come ask me questions for them because they couldn't ask their parents, you know, Mm. when they were little. So uh, I think there's a lot of houses where there's still that real awkward feeling around some of these questions that these kids have. And they need someone safe to go and ask. Mm -hmm. Do they tend to come to you more to ask questions or their father? Oh, definitely me. Definitely you? Definitely me. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that Dave, my husband Dave, wouldn't share or answer the questions, but I mean, I've just been that person in their life with, come to me and I'll tell you, you know, I, I just say that over and over, come to me and I'll tell you anything you want to know. And I don't give them more information than they need. Um, you know, when they first were asking me how people get pregnant, you know, when they were in fourth, third or fourth grade, and I was like, well, man has a sperm, woman has an egg, the man decides to give the sperm to the woman, and she has a baby. And they were like, okay, you know, that was good for them for like a year. And then later they're like, well, how does that happen? You know, and then I have to go into more detail. But um, no, it would definitely be me. And I don't think it's because they're embarrassed to ask him, but my kids just know that I'll tell them the answer. You're also saying that he, uh, robots will never replace humans because oh, I'm Lord. sure they get wacky Google searches and you have to refute <laughs> half of what they're looking at. Oh, my up. gosh. <laughs> yeah. There's Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to. I do. I'm eliciting your help right now because this is my tenth year of being in the Big Brother Big Sister program. Mm-hmm. And when I was when I first started with my little, you know, he's six, turning seven. So I was like, not everything, but he, you know, he kind of confided, and you know, we talked about a lot of things. And fast forward to today, it was like, well. Can you? I was talking to his mother, and she was like, well, you probably have to text him, and don't get upset if he doesn't text you back. He hasn't even texted back people in the family. So yeah. what's a good way to kind of just let him – I'm trying to relate to how I was at 15, 16, where maybe I yeah. did need a lot of alone time, um, and maybe I would come out of that cave later. How would you deal yeah. with the teenagers that's not talking? Yeah, you know, and and I definitely have these moments with my kids too. Like my 13-year-old right now is um, struggling a little bit and 
he's in seventh grade. A lot goes on in seventh grade, but he's just into that phone, man. And he, he, it's hard to have those conversations. Um, I would say to not push it because when we push it, when they're not in the right frame of mind, like we were talking about earlier, um, you're just, again, not going to be able to get anything out of them. I would choose to maybe take them somewhere. Again, I go to get them in the car. Um, You know, a lot of times when I get my son in the car, I'll say, let's, I'm going to put my phone in the, in the glove compartment. Let's both put our phones just for fun in the glove compartment, just for the ride. You can get it back out later. You know, I try to give them, it's just a little bit, we're going to do this. Um, But if you can get them in the car, get them out to go do something, get them in a a space where there's not a lot of distractions, like again, the car, um, that's a great way to kind of do, to start that conversation. Um, I've stopped kind of fighting you know, when my kids are either playing video games or on their phones or whatever, um, I realize that's their way to unwind. But I also want them to be able to step away from that and, and connect with me. Um, so part of it, too, is getting in their head where they are. So like my 13-year-old's really into this game on his phone called Dragon Veil. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but he's super into yeah. it, this whole dragon thing. And so today when I picked him up from school and he's in his phone and he's texting and he's not really talking to me, you know, I start, I kind of look over at what he's doing. He's in his dragon thing. I'm like, oh, did you get a new dragon? And then it's like, yeah, I got this one that was blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, what does that do? And then I start asking him all these questions about the dragon, you know, and, and I don't understand what's going on in that video game. Um, but I, all I know is that I'm talking to him and he's talking to me and we're connecting, right? Even though we're talking about dragons. And then once mm-hmm. that conversation's over, it's easy for him to then maybe tell me what happened at school or whatever, you know. So try to figure out what, what your teenager is interested in in that moment, right, and start a conversation about that, even if it's something you don't care about. Mm-hmm. Get, get in their head kind of where they are. I have so many conversations about video games and I don't know, memes. I talk about memes all the time. I'm like, I don't care about memes. I don't even know what you're talking about half the time. But they want to talk about that, you know. (laughs) So be willing to talk about what they want to talk about. I appreciate that. I mean, both both your boys, have they read the book? And how do they feel about you writing a book that they were, you know, about them and your family and whatnot? Yeah. You know, they were along the, on the whole ride with me. So they... Um, have definitely read it. They helped me pick the cover. So we had like a a contest where we had multiple covers and people were voting on it online and stuff. And so they helped me pick the final cover. They go to book signings with me when I do book signings and they sign the book too. Yeah. So they feel like little celebrities. They love it. Cool. Yeah. What about, what about some of their friends? Have some of their 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 age friends read it too? Yes. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, a, a surprising demographic that has been drawn to the book are like 13 to 15-year-old boys. Like so many people that I don't even know have bought the book and their their 14-year-old or 15-year-old son get a hold of it. And they, people are sending me pictures. They're sending me video. My son hasn't sat down and read an entire book in years, and he stayed up all night reading this, and I could hear him laughing out loud in the other room, and he was having so much fun. And so that has been probably the most surprising result of writing this book is how many, and girls too, but definitely those boys. are they? It's like funny boy humor, you know? They mm-hmm. all relate to these stories. Yeah. Nice, nice. I'd like for you, before we head out, um, to 
be a part of a public service announcement. So with my little, we kind of smacked him out of it maybe a year or two ago, but he thought it was okay because you were talking about the phones. He thought it was uh-huh. okay to, quote, unquote, break up with this girl over the phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, no good. No so, good. So, yeah, please, please give us your public service announcement of how that is not acceptable. Yes. Well, you put time and care into that relationship, you know, even if it only lasted a month. Um, you want to put the time and care into ending the relationship as well. So we, it's just not a kind thing to do to somebody. And I always say, how would you feel if someone did that to you? You know, and so many people break up with each other over a text nowadays. And it goes back to that whole thing of time and place. You know, it's just not the right way to go about doing that. Yeah. And if it's time and place, there's never a good time to break up with someone over text. No, there's not. And it's a hard, you know, life is full of hard conversations. And especially um, with younger people and, and even people my age when they need to break up, that's a hard conversation to have. But we have to be willing, if we're willing to get into the relationship, we have to be willing to end it gracefully as well. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. So, yeah, it's very important, like you said, with boys and uh, men <laughs> and girls mm-hmm. and women, they kind of yes. the same issue. It's uh, easier Definitely. with the technology that they're not, uh, they're being lazy, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, and just because something's easy doesn't mean it's right. You know, that's what we always have to go back to, too. Exactly. So with uh, Joys of Raising Boys, the good, the bad, and the hilarious, how can we get in touch with that book? And how you said you have speaking engagements or your book signings. How would people get in contact with you to do that? Yeah, so my book is sold pretty much anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads, all those places. Um, And it's, yeah, The Joys of Raising Boys, The Good, The Bad, and The Hilarious. And then um, I also have a website, so it's just dianeauten.com, A-U-T-E-N. You know, they can get information there as well. I did most of my book signing, so my book came out in July. And I've done quite a few, um, maybe about 20 book signings up until just before Christmas. So I don't have any book signings coming up. I'm hoping to do one or two around Mother's Day. So people can always look on my website and kind of see when that's happening too. Mm. I I would think since it's January, some women might want to read it when they're dealing with their boyfriends for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Yeah. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. Diane, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Let's stay in touch. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yes, thanks for being here. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.